Well, we're talking in this uh, series about the thing we just sang about, the identity of Jesus and meeting face-to-face with Jesus. And uh, we're going through, we're about halfway through a a series of 12 weeks where we're looking at apostles and uh, believers and disciples who were chosen by Jesus and had some amazing opportunities to see the Lord face-to-face. In fact, we're viewing together many of the episodes. Uh, we're on cha- uh, episode five, coming up here, of The Chosen. How many have been drinking that in? Has some of you been enjoying that? It's an incredible, emotionally packed uh, series for us. And as we uh, think about today, we're looking at an individual that was one to Christ early on, one of the first disciples chosen, one of the first apostles that were chosen by the Lord. I hear a bit of ring there, Brent, catching that. Um, And, uh, you know, linking people to Jesus is kind of what we're looking at today. How do we follow Andrew's model and his example? Because every time you hear about Andrew, he's pulling people into the kingdom. He's pulling people into the sphere, the orbit of uh, Jesus. I may have told this story before, but uh, one of my young people, one of my teens that was uh, in Tacoma, uh, went on a retreat with us to Ocean Shores and um, heard about Jesus. And at Ocean Shores, we had a bunch of baptisms. It was fun standing out in the surf, baptizing kids into Christ. I came out all blue, you know, (laughs) just from, it was in the middle of the winter. And uh, he began to grow. And one day, this Brian, he calls me. And he says, uh, Pastor Bruce, what are you doing Saturday? I'm like, that's a pretty generic question. Why? What do you need? He says, I want you to come over at uh, 1 o'clock to my house. Okay. He he was a doctor's son, lived in Lakewood, had a pool at his house. And he said, I'm thinking about getting baptized. I said, well, that's cool. Way better than the Pacific Ocean, you know, (laughs) way warmer. And so uh, Saturday, I'm driving the church van, the youth van, and I'm pulling up to his house, and I can't even get in his cul-de-sac. He's got these streets, he's got all these friends who came to see him get baptized, lining up across and around the streets. As I try to pull in, I'm having to park like two blocks away to come to this kid's house for his baptism at this place, the the, his, the football team was there, you know? His friends all showed up at his invitation and he saw from Ocean Shores the linking that happens when someone sees a change in someone's life and when, what it means. So the next Saturday, he calls me, or before that, he calls me and says, what are you doing on Saturday? So, Why, Brian, what do you got in mind? He said, just come over at one o'clock. I come over and three more of his friends wanted to get baptized, wanted to come to, to, to Christ and be immersed into him. That was so much fun. The next week, he called and he said, what are you doing on Saturday? My mom's got refreshments again. Come on over. We're having a pool party. We're having baptisms at one o'clock. And before we were done, we had 12 teenagers, most of them seniors in high school, that received Christ been baptized into him and began, it was a short season, but growing because he was linking others to Jesus. Now he used his baptism as a link. What do you use? Today we're gonna talk about a man that every time you see him in the scriptures, he's linking people to Jesus. He's bringing people to him and he's not the big upfront vocal preacher type. He's a behind the scenes, in the background, less observed, unobtrusive, linker, linker, linker to Jesus. Jot that down if you could. Linking others to Jesus is our title for today. And I want to just start with the passage from John the Baptist, who was obviously doing the same thing. John the Baptist's whole ministry was to introduce the coming Messiah, was to prepare the way for the Lord. And as he did, 
One day in the Jordan River, as he was baptizing people into repentance and preparation for the master, for the savior, one day he looked up and there was the lamb of God. There was the lamb of God, Jesus. And he said, look, (laughs) the lamb of God. And what did he say? Who takes away the sins of the world. He said, I've been talking about this guy for the entire time, for years now. I've been preparing thousands and thousands of people for the master, the savior, the lamb of God to come. And now he is here. And he takes away the sins of the world. See, up to that point, they knew what lamb's deaths meant. They knew what sacrificial uh, offerings meant. It rolled their sins ahead for one more year with a view toward the perfect lamb, the sinless lamb, the lamb that was gonna come that wouldn't just roll their sins ahead for one more year, but would what? Take away the sins, not just of an individual, not just of a nation, but of the world, all who would accept his sacrifice for them and believe in his name, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God. John said, I'm not even worthy to unlash his sandals. And Jesus came and said, I want you to baptize me. Jesus, Jesus said you need to be baptized. He'd never sinned. But Jesus did it as an example. He said to fulfill all righteousness. And John capitulated. He said, okay, I will immerse you and baptize you. And he did just that. Then... (laughs) He began to link the folks that were following him, the folks that he'd prepared to Jesus. He began to make the connection and say, don't follow me, follow him, follow the lamb of God. So here's what happened the next day. Two of his disciples, that's John's disciples, were there. When they saw Jesus passing by, he said it again. Look, behold, the Lamb of God. And he said it this way. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. He was successful in linking them to him. Now listen to what it says. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? (laughs) What do you want? You know... The Lord's always wanting us to assess what are we after? What do we want? What are we here for? Why are we looking? What's in our heart? What is the need of the moment? If he is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, obviously he wants wants us to identify, I want my sins taken away. I want your forgiveness. I want a relationship with God that's not based on shame, that's not based on guilt, that's instead based on bold, assured love. That's what he's asking him. He's saying, what do you want? What are you after? Why are you here? And they said, Rabbi, we're here to learn. Rabbi means teacher. Rabbi means teacher. And they're there saying, we want you to teach us. That's in essence what following Jesus is about, is learning from him. So what's the uh, key phrase here? What did Jesus say? Come. Now, Jesus just loved that word. He said, Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You're the tired ones. Come to me and you will find rest for your soul. That's not sleep. Now that's deep, seated, rest in God. Not sleep to satisfy the the human body, but rest for your spirit, your heart. Here he says, come and you will see. Jesus said, come, follow me, come and you will see. Well, they're gonna see. They're going to see where Jesus lives. They're going to see how Jesus lives. They're going to see Jesus' relation. They're going to get so close to Jesus that they're going to begin asking him things like, can you teach us to pray like you pray? 
They're going to get so close to Jesus, they're going to marvel at not only his power and ability, his miracle worker, way maker stuff, but the fact that he related so well to people as well. That's where they come and see. By the way, for all of us, that should be our first introduction, invitation to anybody. Come and see. Check it out. It shouldn't be, you know, feeling like we're scared to let so much. No, just the opposite. We're so open about our faith. We should be just like Jesus saying, check it out. Come and see what is up. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking he's so specific here. He was probably one of those disciples. I mean, he's listing the time and how they spent the day with him. They're spending time with the master, with the savior, with the Lord. And it's the time of day. So this is like the backstory. This is how Andrew gets connected, or I call it today, linked to Jesus. He gets linked to Jesus because John that he's following, John the Baptist, says, follow him. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he's committed to this rabbi situation, this leadership that Jesus is going to provide. Now, let's go a little deeper into who Andrew is. In fact, the next verse, I think, shows us a bunch of what we want to know about Andrew. First of all, his relationship. I call it his his name. His name is Andrew, which means man. (laughs) Android, you know, Andrew. Andrew means man. In fact, there's kind of this play on words. It's kind of like man of men kind of idea. It's, what would we say, Brad? Manly men? Yeah. (laughs) That's the idea that's here. He is a man's man. Okay? That's his, uh, his name. It just means that. And Jesus does not change Andrew's name. Jesus liked to change names sometimes, didn't he? And many of his individual, his brother, Simon gets named Peter, you know? He doesn't change Andrew's name. Now, so either the name fit him so well, or we just don't know about it or, or, or something, but it seems like this fisherman, this um, strong individual had the name Andrew for a reason. I mean, we think about it for a minute. He was bold. He was decisive. He was more decisive than his brother. His brother was known for ready, fire, aim. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Andrew's, no, he, Andrew's thinking it through and he is on track. In fact, he's leading his brother. We're going to see that here in a minute. He is not only bold and decisive, but you know he is willing to follow this weird guy, this bizarre man out in the desert named John the Baptist. I mean, if you were going to associate yourself with a weirdo, you better be ready to take the heat because there was a lot of heat. In fact, so much heat that John the Baptist gets beheaded before long. Yeah. I mean, he's not afraid. You catching that? He's not afraid to follow Jesus. He's not afraid to follow John, John the Baptist. He jumps into eternal opportunities like a man, like a bold, decisive, deductive man. Notice that almost every time his name is mentioned, he's introduced as Simon Peter's brother. How, how many of you have a sibling that went to, went to high school before you or something, and you were always introduced as the brother, the younger brother. I mean, that's what's going on because four or five different times when Andrew's introduced, just like here, it's Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. That's a key relationship. That's that, I call it the notoriety. His occupation, same as Peter. What is he? He's a fisherman. In fact, he's a net fisherman. In fact, he's an in-gatherer. You, you, you know, that's an interesting part of his occupation. He wasn't an angler catching one by one, right? He was a net 
fisherman, and he was an in-gatherer. Jesus loved to tell parables and use the net gatherers as part of that. You know, just note for a minute, Jesus always starts with us and with others we're wanting to link to him where you're at. He doesn't say change and then come to me. He finds you where you're at. You need to hear that clear today, no matter where you're at. No matter what you're up to, no matter where you've been, he meets you there and he changes you there. And you'll be different, but you don't have to stop and wait to change to come to him. He comes to Christ. Christ says, come, spend the day with me. Come and see. Hang out with me. In John 21, he says, come, I've cooked you breakfast. Come and eat. Spend some time together. Andrew was not argumentative, but he was very decisive. And he grew in his uh, relationship with Jesus. Now, first thing he does is to link his brother, Peter, to Jesus. First thing Andrew does after he spends the day with Jesus, Peter's evidently not there. He's never mentioned. Peter goes and he introduces his brother Peter. Andrew introduces his brother Peter to the Lord. Andrew is always linking people to Jesus. All the times you see him, that's what he is up to. Let's look at the verse that brings that out. It's John chapter 4, just a little bit further from where we were just reading. Verse 41. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That's the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked up and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is what? Peter. You've got an Aramaic word. You've got a Hebrew word. And you've got a um, Greek word, all of which are the same. They all mean the same thing, which means stone or rock. He's calling him a rock. That's where kind of the renaming comes from. He was visionary, uh, visionarily renaming Peter the rock. So we're going to talk about the uh, priority here in a minute, but let me, let me see if we can find this on um, the chosen. I think it'll show you this introduction that Andrew has. With Stomach. What are you talking about? Did you run all the way from Jerusalem? We're saved. We're saved. I saw him with my own eyes, Simon. Who? It was incredible. Andrew, who did you see? The Lamb of God. He who takes away the sin of the world. Simon. We're standing by the Jordan, and John the Baptizer pointed at the man who was walking. Simon, are you listening? Yeah. Yeah, you're just not saying anything. I saw the Messiah today. The man all of us, including you, have been playing for our whole lives. Don't you even care? Was he a big man? Big? No. Rich? No. It didn't seem he could bear us out of this debt to Rome. Maybe, maybe he was a doctor. No. So he can't help with Eden's Zima, who's now living with us, Andrew. That's just... So pardon me if I'm not exactly jumping out of my sandals because creepy John pointed at someone. You're scared. Lost everything. Burned every bridge. It doesn't matter. The Romans don't matter if the Messiah has arrived. Anything is possible now. Don't you see? That'd be nice. Where are you going? 
Go ahead, eat it. My brothers are trying to cook. I can smell it. <laughs> Here's a good illustration of how that scripture gets lived out, at least uh, the backstory behind it. So what were some of the uh, things to pull out of this? First of all, in this passage of scripture and from that little clip, what's his priority? The reason Andrew's always linking people to Jesus is because it's his priority. The first thing that he does is find his brother. Something's happening inside of him spiritually and he cannot help himself. He's got to tell somebody. He's got to show someone else this savior, this master, this leader. Remember the, uh, in the Old Testament, the uh, men of Israel, had, had, they were all crippled and lame and, and diseased. They were leprous. And they f- walked into a camp that had been abandoned by the enemy. And they began to find all kinds of booty, all kinds of bounty. They found bread and they, they were hungry and so they began to eat it. And they found gold and they found, and then they said, we cannot keep this to ourselves. <laughs> it would be a sin for us to sit here and fill ourselves and not tell the rest of our brothers about this bounty. We can't spend it all ourselves. We can't enjoy it all ourselves. We've got to go. And they went and found the tribe, the, the brothers, and brought them to enjoy. And it's kind of that idea. This would be a sin for us to keep to ourselves. <laughs> You know, somebody finds a cure for cancer and keeps it to themselves, what would you say about that person? No, that's the kind of news you've got to spread so others have the opportunity. You know, it was a very selfless opportunity. The first thing he did, do you have family members that need to hear about Jesus? Do you have brothers or sisters or aunts or uncles or other family members, maybe more distant, more close, that you need to be prioritizing, that you need to be praying for, that at the top of your list, not as a target, I don't call it a target list, I call it a treasure list. The ones that are close to your heart, the ones you want to love to Jesus, who is it on your priority? Who is on your heart on a regular basis? Family. That's who he's linking Right here is family. Always go with family first. Think of the concentric circles. The concentric circles start with those that are biologically, relationally, most prone and likely to listen to your seed sowing, to your planting, to your watering or your harvesting. Go out from there to other neighbors and associates and workmates and, and others. But start where Andrew started. Start with your family. Is there anyone in your family that needs your prayers today? Put them on the list, the treasure list. Let them be your um, priority. One of our brothers has a, one of our brothers here at church, uh, Arnie, has a physical brother that came to Christ recently, Dwight. He'd been praying for him for years. He was on our list for years and years and years. And he came to Christ recently, a couple years ago. And he started sharing with other family members that Arnie was working on. Kind of, he called it double teaming, you know? You know, you got to double team sometimes. And as Dwight was sharing his faith, his church leaders came to him and said, don't do that. And Arnie was like, what'd they tell you that for? They said, we have to go through a three-year class before we can share Christ. And Arnie went, don't get out of there. Arnie was like, no, that's not scriptural. I mean, your first priority ought to be to share Christ with your family, not, well, once I get done with the three-year class, I'll be qualified, I'll have my certificate on the wall, and then I can share my faith. No, 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 no. I mean, that kind of goes along with our our, our culture right now. We've got, in, in some ways overly focused on education. You've got to have a master's degree, maybe two of them to teach kindergartners. I'm not sure that's that wise. Okay, I'm not against education. I, I have a graduate degree myself. I love education. But for that idea to be there, that we've got to have overqualification. No, 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 no. What's the first thing we should do? 
Share at the level you're prepared to share at. Tell them, so one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Okay? That's all you got to do. All you got to be is one lesson ahead. <laughs> Can you do that? You don't have to be 50 lessons ahead, just one. You can teach what you've just learned. In fact, that's the most effective anyway. Just let that be. Your, your family is going to know too. Is it really taking root in your life? You know why? They're close enough to see. You can't fake them out like you might be able to fake out somebody at work or in the community. That's why I think he wants you to start with family. That's why the model is here. Because when it's deep inbred in, 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 in you and you're living it out, it's hard to fake. Notice this procedure. What are the three things this verse says Andrew did? He found him. He told him. And he brought him to Jesus. That's the, that's the same procedure that we should all follow. We should find, <laughs> tell, and bring be active, not passive, when we're finding people, when we're finding individuals, linking them to Jesus, telling them it has to come over. I mean, there's, there's obviously the St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. That's good. That's very good. But I, I, I would say anchor on the other side as well. Use words. Use the words. That's what Andrew did. He used words to tell Peter about the master, about the, the, the Messiah. He found him and he told him and then he brought him. There's a physical aspect to that and there's a spiritual aspect to that. Bringing people to the foot of the cross, bringing people to worship, bringing people to home group, bringing people into your car to pray with them, bringing people to the presence of God, the presence of Christ, and letting that be the procedure for you. Back up one. There we go. Notice uh, these invitations I mentioned earlier. Let me just list them down here. Come and see. That was Jesus' invitation to John and to uh, Andrew. Come and see. He said that often. Come and see. Observe, be a part, drink it in. I mentioned earlier the come and have breakfast, you know, in John 21. Come and eat some fish. Come and learn. He said, take my yoke, learn from me. That's where the rest comes in. That's really what the word disciple means. The word disciple means a learner. What's the key title that Andrew used toward Jesus? Rabbi, teacher, teach me. I want to learn from you. When Jesus bows down and says, follow me, I mean, that's come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, what do we follow him into? We follow him into life and we follow him into sacrifice. Now, let me just mention, most people aren't ready for this until they've gone through this. Okay, you don't, you don't lead always with the toughest part. Jesus didn't. Come and hang out. You'll understand in the long run. He began to give them understanding. You're going to die. You're going to give your life. And he'd say things to inspire and encourage them that eventually they would come and they would die. All except for John of the apostles died a martyr's death. And John, they tried to kill, tried to boil in oil. He didn't die. So he stuck him on the island of Patmos in exile until he died at 92 years old. You know? Jesus was very specific. You follow me? He said, they hate me. The world hates me. They're going to kill me. And they're going to kill you too. If you are following me and I'm going to death, guess what? Be prepared. But he said, he who lays his life down will find it again. He said, no one will lay their life down and not find a thousand times the reward that's for you. Come and die when it gets tough. And then there's one aspect, he says, go. 
It's not just come to Jesus. What is it? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go, therefore, Mark says, and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature should hear the good news. Go and serve. Now, I want you to catch this phrase. If it weren't for Andrew, there wouldn't have been a Peter. (laughs) At least scripturally, that's the link that we have. Because Andrew linked Peter to Jesus, we've got the Sermon on the Day of Pentecost. We've got 3,000. We've got the birthday of the church. We've got Peter who said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. You know, and Jesus saying, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I mean, we credit Peter with so much, but who was in store, who was in work before Peter? Who led Peter to Jesus? Now, maybe that's where our attention should be because many people in life are not Andrews. I mean, are Andrews, not Peter's. There's a lot of people who go, I could never preach to 3,000 people. Well, you don't have to. Just lead Peter to Christ and let him do the preaching. <laughs> you catching that? <laughs> you know? How many of you have ever heard of uh, Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball. He was a Sunday school teacher. He was a shoe salesman. He led Dwight L. Moody to Christ. Dwight L. Moody, back in the 1800s, led tens of thousands of people to a relationship with Jesus. Maybe some of you heard of Grady Wilson. Grady Wilson. He, 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 he took Billy Graham to a Mordecai Ham convention. And that night, Billy Graham gave his heart to Jesus. Billy Graham, who had three to four million people respond in his crusades to a relationship with Christ. Would there have been a Billy Graham if there wasn't a Grady Wilson? That's the key we got to ask. Don't focus, well, I'm no Billy Graham. But are you a Grady Wilson? (laughs) Billy Graham said in his testimony, he said the reason he went to that crusade was because Grady said, you can drive my truck. (laughs) You know, my dad went to a Billy Graham event because my mom was going. He wanted to spend time with her. He didn't care what, what it was. And he came to Christ. Wow. Could it be that God's calling you to be an Andrew, not a Peter? I think the bulk of the body of Christ, the bulk of our population are not Peters with, with the upfront, charismatic kind of personality. Most of us are Andrews. So get on with it. Link people to Jesus. Link a lot of Peters to Christ. And guess what? The Billy Grahams will emerge. The Dwight L. Moody's will come to surface and God will use your gift in an amazing way. Well, if it weren't for Andrew, we'd have no Peter. Let's talk about this for a minute. Two more passages. These will be a little quick, more quick than the first one. Talk for, let's talk for a minute about linking newcomers to Jesus. These aren't family members. These are more people in the community the community members, people that you get to know, people that are newcomers. This is especially important in a church setting because we've got people who check us out, people who do the come and see and come to church, come to worship, come to a worship service. And so the, the linking of newcomers is really important. In this case, we're having a, a miracle take place that Andrew gets to facilitate Andrew's involved in a couple of miracles. When Jesus looked up and saw this great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each of us to just have a bite. Another of his disciples, who is it? Andrew. Who is it? Simon Peter's brother. (laughs) Gets listed right there again. He's the one who spoke up. What's he do? He links a lad to Jesus. He says, here's a boy. Here's a kid. Here's a little young man with five barley, small barley loaves 
and two small fish, but how far can they go among so many? So Andrew's starting to get this idea. Jesus is just what we sang about, miracle worker, a way maker. He's not sure how it's going to work yet, but he's bringing the boy to Jesus, knowing when you get God involved in the equation, all bets are off. He's asking the question, where's this going to go? But he's uh, got faith. He's got trust, and he's asking that question. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down, about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So we're talking about a huge group here. No wonder he was worried about their stomach, you know, stomachs, their food. They're going to get all hungry here in a minute. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks. Isn't that interesting? Jesus loved to do that. Distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces and five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. They had their fill and they had 12 baskets. I wonder why they had 12 baskets. Could have been the disciples, the 12 apostles needed this catch this amazing miracle. Well, we're going to go a little further in this, but let's, let's look at a place where we saw it last week, where a miracle happens and Andrew is right at the center of it. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? 
I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am with the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. I know you're going to accuse me of that's being my favorite clip. You're right, you know, but uh, it illustrates where Andrew is at. He's in the background to some degree, but would there have been a Peter if there weren't an Andrew? I told you, I told you, I told you. He's in the background shouting faith in Jesus. And I want to ask you today, who is it in your life that you're in the background shouting words of faith, words of encouragement, words of trust, even for the miraculous. I mean, that's what's taking place here. There's no limit to God's resources. He's seeing that with bread. He's seeing that with feeding the 5,000 fish. He's seeing that with the catch of fish. He's seeing through his life, there is no limit to God's resources. Don't underestimate the ability of God to use resources in your life resources in my life to amaze and bring people to him. That's how God works <laughs> historically and uh, biblically and today. Also note that trusting God leads to miracles. If God's not at work in your life, it's gonna be hard for you to give testimony to what God's been up to. Just the fact that he forgives our sins, that he is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. To me, that's a powerful enough miracle to elucidate and bring forward God's word. The right word at the right time, like apples of gold and settings of silver. The right word at the right time, let God use that even as part of the miracle. You know, I call them divine appointments. Divine appointments where you're prayerfully looking at your treasure list and, and you ask God to lead and he does. He brings into your sphere of influence someone that you can share the love of Jesus with. Plant, water, fertilize, harvest. You, your role may be different. It may, it's not gonna be harvesting every time. The reason I tell the story about Brian and Lakewood is because it's so unusual. So seldom do you see one kid in high school bring 12 friends to Jesus. You know, But I love it when it happens. But somebody was probably fertilizing and planting those seeds long before we got to the baptism point for these 17-year-olds. Yeah. What about you? Who is it that you're pouring into? Let's do one more. One more passage of scriptures real quick. Andrew, again, is seen linking someone to Jesus. In this case, it's just people who are seekers. Not newcomers, not people from the community that have pulled into the crowd. In this case, it's people who have yet to see Jesus. Let me talk about it from uh, Luke, or, excuse me, from John chapter 12. This is John 12, 20 through 22. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. 
They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, same place that the fishermen were from, uh, Andrew and Peter, in Galilee, with a request. What's the request? Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. We would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell who? Andrew. Something about Andrew's reputation was already leading the way. <laughs> they want to see Jesus. Who does he go to? Andrew. Andrew is the linker. Andrew is the, the one who brings them. to Look what it says. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus, and they were introduced to Jesus. Now, Jesus had started off with his disciples saying, I am come to the lost tribe of Israel. I've come to the, the nation of the Israelites. That's going to be my primary focus. So here's these Greeks. They're outside the sphere of what they thought Jesus was focusing on. So that's why Philip says, should we bring these guys? Should we bring these seekers in? These are Greeks. These aren't Israelis. These aren't Jews. They're Greeks. Should we bring them in? What's the answer? They wanted to see Jesus. Doesn't matter your race. Doesn't matter your ethnic background. Doesn't matter your class. Doesn't matter your gender. Doesn't matter any of that. For in Christ, therefore, there is no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, for we are all to be one in Christ. And what did those people want? The same thing people want today. See Jesus. They're looking at you. They're looking at me. They're looking at our hearts and our behaviors. They're looking at how we, how we emulate his heart and what we do. And what we do has a great testimony because this Andrew, who's always bringing people to Jesus, brings these seekers to show them and give them a picture of Jesus. A couple of principles, jot these down real quick and we'll be done. Conclusions, lessons from Andrew. When we want to help people see Jesus Christ, when we want to link people to Jesus, God uses ordinary people in extraordinary ways. I think that's why Andrew's in the Bible. Andrew's in the Bible so that the average person doesn't go, well, I'm not super like Peter, but you can say, I am an ordinary individual. I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. Well, take heart. Andrew is like that. The ordinary, obscure people can bring others to Christ. Are you an inviter? Are you an includer? Are you one who is linking people to the Lord, linking people to Jesus? Let me list this one. Everyone can link and minister as Andrew did. I've not met a person that couldn't do that, who couldn't link others to the Lord. There are more Andrew types than, uh, than Peter types. Relationships are the key to link people to Jesus. Relationships are the key. Obviously, home groups are the core of a church relationship. Don't invite them to worship. If you're going to invite them someplace, invite them to your home group. Invite them to your house. Invite them so they can be with you. Now, I use this acrostic a little bit here. Jot this down, if you would. The Fran for Frantastic. Friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. <laughs> Friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. Who is it in that category? I mentioned earlier family, but now fill it out with friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. That makes the fantastic opportunity that is yours. In fact, uh, here's a, a little sequence. Look around. Right now, if you've got room on your paper, jot down your treasure list. Not your target list, but your treasure list. Who is it that's in God's put in your world and in your life that you need to be prayerfully linking to Christ? Who is it on your list. Maybe there's six, eight, ten people that you are praying for. If you're not praying for them, I mean, that's the second one here. Look up. Take that list and ask the Lord. 
Would you provide opportunities for me? If you're not praying about it, the chances are those opportunities aren't going to come. You know, worship is, is us bragging to God about God. Evangelism is bragging to other people about God. Who is it you brag to about God and his love, about God and his grace, about God and his work in your life? Are you bragging to, God, to, to people about God? <laughs> Let's do it. That's what looking up is about, prayerfully asking God to bring changes. Looking out, that means looking for opportunities. In eight weeks, six weeks, we're going to have Easter. You know, they say uh, statistically up before COVID, 80% of people who were invited by a friend to Easter would attend. 80% in the United States, if invited by a friend who didn't attend church on non-church goers, would attend if invited by a friend. That's a huge statistic. To me, that's a great opportunity. Let's worship together. Maybe Easter will be different this year than it was last year, the virtual Easter. Look for ways to build, to invite, and pray through your list. Look forward, and then look after those folks as you get a chance to build relationship. It's not a target hit list and then be off on onto something else. It's how can you nurture, sow seeds, fertilize those seeds, water those seeds, watch them grow, and God will bring about the harvest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us this life of Andrew. Thank you for giving us practical ways we can be Andrews in this world today. Lord, would you show us those that you want us to influence for you, those that you want us to open their eyes to you. Would you help us as believers to be the channel through which you work, the channel through whom you move? Would you show us, Lord, more and more your miracle reaching? For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.